one. Let's go. Let's go. You're about to experience action like you've never heard it before. Action sports, celebrities, badasses, and massive interviews. All coming to you from the Polaris Razor Studio. This is Jim Beaver's Project Action. Exclusively on Podcast One. Welcome to Project Action on Podcast One, and this week we got a blockbuster coming at you, a very good friend of mine, and uh, a guy that is taking the music world by storm, none other than Mr. Tim Montana is on the show, and uh, I got to tell you, I am I am freaking stoked for this one. Tim is... Uh, Tim is Tim, and uh, if you don't follow him on social media, if you haven't seen his shenanigans on TV, uh, YouTube, social media, wherever, I mean, and he makes killer good music. Super stoked to have Tim Montana on the show. No idea where this interview is going to head, but you know it's going to be good. I know we probably got a bunch of fresh listeners that have never listened before. Let me tell you, this is Project Action, where anything can and will happen. Doesn't matter if it's music, entertainment, wrestling, MMA, sports. I don't know. I, I just love interviewing people. I'm a professional race car driver myself, so uh, you never know where the hell uh, we are going to go with the show or who we're going to have on air, but uh, they're going to be epic. And uh, Tim Montana today, he is the guest. Go to Apple Podcasts. Smash the subscribe button over there. Please leave a rating or review if you can. And uh, we're also on Podcast One, Spotify, all over the place. So definitely get us locked in so you can get our future guests and our future shows right there to uh, whatever device you're listening on. And in addition to that, I am at Jim Beaver 15 on the social media machine. So uh, hit us up. And uh, yes, uh, give us a follow, and if you tell me you're a fan of the show, chances are I may give you a follow back. So Tim Montana, my guest today, before we get into Mr. Montana, i got to tell you about a couple of our amazing partners right here in the show. Do you own or rent your home? Well, I'm sure you do, and I know it's hard work, but you know what's not? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. And, you know, we got another amazing partner, very special partner in this show, our good friends, uh, over at Meguiar's. And over the last few years, Meguiar's has launched the next generation of protective products with their hybrid ceramic platform that's specifically geared toward the do-it-yourselfers. It all started two years back. Meguiar's introduced their hybrid ceramic spray wax. came in a bright blue bottle, and it had advanced SIO2 hybrid technology delivering ceramic wax protection and durability beyond traditional waxes. Incredibly easy to use. Simply wash your car, spray Meguiar's hybrid ceramic spray wax, and just rinse it right off. No rubbing, no curing, no buffing, or mess. Provides extreme water-beating action, and it's been flying off the shelves. Then last year, knowing some prefer a more traditional style of application, Meguiar's launched their liquid version, Meguiar's Hybrid Ceramic Liquid Wax. Its long-lasting ceramic protection came in an easy-to-use wax, seals the paint for long-lasting protection against the elements, delivers extreme water-beating action, easy-to-use, applying like traditional liquid waxes with no wax residue. Meguiar's also launched their Hybrid Ceramic Spray Detailer for in-between boosted maintenance. Removes contaminants like dust, fingerprints, and those evil bird droppings, and it boosts gloss and enhances protection. 
It also contains SiO2 hybrid ceramic protection, achieving a just wash look by gently removing fresh contaminants between regular washes before they have a chance to bond. And this year, they've expanded the line to include Meguiar's new hybrid ceramic wash and wax. It's a bright orange bottle, unique two-liquid system together in one bucket, and it delivers results unlike anything you've ever experienced before. It's blended with slick, low sudsing surfacents that gently lift and wash away dirt and grime. Its SiO2 Boost is a wax additive that delivers instant water-beating protection. Working in tandem, you get a slick and clean vehicle that beads water like crazy. Optimize your results in washing experience with Meguiar's new hybrid wash mitt. It's a dual-sided for gentle washing and adding booster wax. Meguiar's hybrid wash mitt is sold separately. Now, Meguiar's has a hybrid ceramic solution for everyone. For incredible water beating and protection and durability beyond traditional waxes, it's ceramic made easy. It's Meguiar's. And with that, I'm going to roll into this epic interview with my good friend, Mr. Tim Montana. All right, so this is going to be a fun one today. I'd like to welcome my my brother from another, Mr. Tim Montana, to the show. Tim, what is happening, brother? Oh, not too much. Thanks for having me. We are uh, got back to Nashville, Tennessee, where it feels like it's been raining for the last six months. But uh, we're here, baby. We're here. So I I got to ask you, dude. I, I'm gonna put you on the spot. You told me last week you were going to a, a writers' retreat, and I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you. The first thing that popped in my head when I heard. Tim Montana on a writer's retreat. I'm getting flashes of like a hippie commune and like people just smoking weed around a campfire or something like that. What the hell is a writer's retreat, dude? Well, not that's not too far off. <laughs> except we're in, we're in a we're in a beach house down in Myrtle's Inlet, uh, Myrtle Beach area. <clears throat> One of those houses up on stilts, and then we brought five of the bigger songwriters in Nashville out, guys. You know, one of those. One of the guys with us has had 42 number ones as a producer, songwriter, and country music, and then all of them, respectfully, have had a handful of ginormous hits, and we all get in the same room, and uh, we'll split up, actually, for the first half of the day, and I'll bounce back and forth between two different rooms, get the idea going, hop to the next room, tell them, ah, let's fix that word, I wouldn't say that that way, and then at the end of the night, is fun, where the drinks start flowing, and then all six of us come into the same room, and last time, we got uh, four cuts out of this writer's retreat. So we got a Travis Tritt single. We got two songs on my album and then another song I can't talk about yet. that will be out in July. But uh, so heck, if we get one good song out of it, it was worth it. Well, you know, what's interesting to me about this whole thing. And like, I'm dumb when it comes to music industry, obviously you and I become friends. I got, you know, a few other friends that are, that are in the industry. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about it, but one thing I've always found really cool, especially like you, I mean, you mentioned Travis Tritt. I know you've written for him. You've done some stuff with Kid Rock with ZZ Top. I love the fact that the music industry, there might be a song that you know is good, but it might not be good for Tim Montana. So it's like, you know, Hey, this is good for another buddy of mine. You know, he should sing this. And like, you guys kind of help each other. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's one thing that I've always found pretty pretty cool. It's not really a – I mean, I, I know there are people in it that are selfish, but it seems to me like it's not really a selfish industry. You guys are just all about the love of music. Yeah, whatever helps the song get heard and whoever's the best vessel for that. And that Smoking a Bar, the Travis Tritt single, his first single in 13 years just came out about two months ago, and his record dropped, I think, Friday. <clears throat> Set in stone, a full-length record, but – we had it on hold for me, but it was talking about a seatbelt was a backup for mama's right arm when the world turns slower and you can smoke in a bar. And I was like, man, it feels like someone looking back on their career and kind of reflecting. And I just took a shot and texted it to Travis Tritt and 
Next thing I know, he absolutely fell in love with it and recorded it. And I'm like, there you go. And I was like, you know, in a few years, if I want to cut it too, I can. But it just felt right to have Travis. And he was so excited about it. Every interview he does, he name drops me, which he totally does not have to do that. That's just what kind of guy Travis Tritt is. He's a good old boy, old boy. <laughs> He's definitely been around, man. Um, I don't know. I, I just find this whole thing just pretty damn awesome. But I guess I want to go back to it with you because this is kind of – we're going to talk about a lot. You've just had a lot of shit happen. You just dropped an album. I mean, things are blowing up for you. I kind of want to go back and tell a little bit of the Tim Montana story just because – I don't know your full story, so this is just me as uh, as a buddy wanting to know the full story. But I mean, you've got interesting upbringings in Montana. I know you grew up in uh, you know in a in a trailer, didn't have uh, what electricity. I mean, take us back to the beginning, and then how the hell you found music and got where you're at? Because I think this is I know bits and pieces of it, man. But looking through the window, like I want to know the whole picture here because I think your story is pretty different than a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I was born uh, in the Flathead Valley in 1985. <clears throat> Had pretty interesting going issues, stepdad issues, birth father issues. Ultimately, everyone, those guys went away. So uh, I blame it on mother's love for uh, having me still here today. Um, but we went off the grid when I was probably five or six uh, up in Kyla, Montana. And we were way the hell up. I went and tried to find that house. Uh, about a year or two ago, and I couldn't find it, and I got lost. And I was like, how did we do this every day of our lives, um, getting out there? Just tons of snow, and we'd start the generator on Sunday. So when we went off the grid, the TV went off, all, you know, basically forms of communication with the outside world. We had a telephone for a while, and we cut it off. But uh, So I never got to watch TV, so my wife still gets mad whenever she brings up TV shows from that era, the 90s. Cause I missed all that. I missed all the pop culture. So I don't get a lot of references to the nineties, uh, but I got a guitar and uh, we, I had a lantern in my room and every night I, when it got dark, I'd turn that lantern on and I'd play my guitar and I'd just make up these little songs. And uh, my mom always made sure I had a guitar and a little CD player. And uh, she would just bring me home CDs. We had a, a pawn shop slash gun shop in town <laughs> and she'd always bring me home these CDs. And my mom was like super religious and CDs she brought me were like Tool Undertow. <laughs> she had no idea what it was or what I was listening to. <laughs> and I, I remember this distinct memory of in this cabin off the grid, it's pitch dark, and I put in my headphones to listen to this creepy album she brought me. It had like a pig on the inside with forks sticking out of it, and I was mortified. And I put it on, and there's a hidden track on there where some dude is like reading fake scripture or something. And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, had nightmares for weeks. And I was like, Mom, where are you getting these CDs? She's like, oh, from the pawn shop. I figure you'd enjoy it, Kimmy. You love music, right? And I'm like, this is probably some satanic shit, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) She always did her best to make sure I had music and a guitar. And uh, yeah, so I grew up until I was about 17 in that kind of environment. And as time went on, we got solar panels. So we got a little more electricity, but we were never on the grid. So the solar, you know, would be... uh, it would run in the afternoons. We could charge batteries up and then run the TV. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't really care about TV, nor did I yeah. want to be around my stepdad at all. He's an asshole. So I would find myself outside riding my four-wheeler, riding a little, had a little Honda CT70, man, and I would oh. just take up mountains. And then I uh, had a 1976 John Deere liquefier 440 snowmobile that I put crazy miles on. And I uh, love that thing. So it was either go fast or play guitar. So you, you know, graduated high school, right? And then you moved to L.A. That had to have been a a hell of a shell shock for a kid that was off the grid in Montana, man. 
Oh, it was terrifying. I, uh, <laughs> I got a apartment on Hollywood Boulevard right behind <laughs> the, uh, the Chinese theater there. You know where that's at? I, I was there two years ago, of... right before the pandemic hit. Like we were, yeah. yeah, I spent some time there. I know exactly where you're at. Yeah, so I was right there on Sycamore, and I was so excited because the same apartment Guns and Roses used to live in. And I'd always tell the guy down at Hollywood Liquors, I'm going to be famous someday. And he's like, man, you know, his name was, uh, what the hell is his name? I think it was Juan. He's like, the last guy to tell me that was Axl Rose. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no way. So we lived there, but my roommates were like, I had never had a microwave at this point. And, of course, we're living off ramen noodles and microwavable Hot Pockets because we were so poor. And I'd be putting forks in the microwave and all kinds of shit. There'd be lightning bolts coming out of it. And they're just like, dude, are you a caveman? And I was like, well, and I'd also never used the dryer or like, a, uh, you know, I didn't know how to use the weirdest things. And to this day, my wife still will not let me heat up baby bottles for our daughter. because She's like, you still get defeated by a microwave every time. Why do you think you'd heat that bottle up in three minutes? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it feels right. Three's a good Bottles number. melted afterwards. Uh, that's... So, yeah, so L.A. was definitely a culture shock, and I tried so hard to play rock and roll in L.A., and everybody's like, uh-uh, Montana, that's country as shit. And I'm just like, no, it's not. I grew my hair out. I got a skateboard, and I used to skateboard down Hollywood Boulevard with baggy-like jeans. Didn't want anyone to know I was from the woods and grew up wearing Carhartts. Just, like, hit it so hard. And every time I started a hard rock band, everyone would be like, dude, there's something really country about your vibe. <laughs> I was like, hell no, bro. I'm rock and roll as shit. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, all this is going on, right? And uh, and then all of a sudden you moved to Tennessee, right? Like, you you know, didn't you end up like uprooting and moving to Tennessee somehow through through this process, right? Yeah, I met a, I walked into school one day, Musicians Institute, Hollywood, California, and there's a cardboard cutout of this bigger fella who was clearly blind, and my bro, my older brother's blind, um, and his name was uh, Johnny Highland, and he was wearing a cowboy hat and a Fender Telecaster, and I'm like, who's this goofy-looking dude? And so I went to his little live workshop, the live LPWL, whatever they called it, live player workshop, and uh, saw him play guitar, and my jaw dropped because he wasn't using pedals and he wasn't using any effects and he was faster than Eddie Van Halen and didn't even seem to be trying. And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, it's called chicken picking, buddy. Come on down to Nashville. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I'll put the cowboy hat back on. That's cool as hell. So I uh, moved to Nashville, chasing him down and moved into his neighborhood so I could drive him around, you know, because he couldn't drive. And uh, he kind of got me plugged in, produced my first album in Nashville. And then, uh, I put together a what I call world tour in 2008, which meant I had three shows in the state of Montana <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and a nasty old van. And somehow divine intervention, Mr. David Letterman showed up and put me on the late show with David Letterman. And that changed my life pretty quick because it just gave me, you know, it didn't financially put me in a situation where I was like, you know, comfortable at all, but it gave me a taste of that. This is what, the big times like you know i remember being in that studio and seeing the bands that played there and then being on national tv and you know i think it really helped me keep pushing to this day because that was shit 12 13 years ago that happened yeah so, put you on the grid i mean that that yeah you know obviously you get that break you're 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 there shit you know but everybody everybody kind of knows who you are after that you know it's like who the hell is this guy what what, what just happened you know i you know you get that mainstream exposure and there's a lot of people you know that that are fans that might have heard of you but you know all of a sudden you hit that and it's people that didn't know who the hell tim montana was and now all of a sudden you know they know exactly who yeah. you are 
Yeah, so that was cool, and that was all Dave himself, man. Um, he he gave me that opportunity. He came out and showed up at the table and held my daughter, and he had his fiance there. And he just picked my brain about growing up off the grid. Of course, my mom's there. She's my biggest fan. Oh, Dave, that's to me about how he grew up off the grid. Oh, he had a lantern. Oh my goodness! I'm like, mom, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> they don't need to know this. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. Right. I look at your career, dude, and and obviously you've put yourself in these positions to be successful and meet these amazing people. But I mean, there's things like Letterman, you know, and that happened. You talked about Johnny Highland, and that happened. And then, you know, obviously you've got the whole Boston Red Sox thing that happened in uh, what was it, 2013, when your song became like the theme for the freaking World Series run that year and stuff like that. And then you guys end up doing like a special cut just for the Sox. Yeah, we did a music video and. That's how I met Billy Gibbons. I just had this, you know, what is that? They say luck is preparation and skill. Or is that how that saying goes, meeting at the same time, and that's what they call luck? Yeah. But um, that song, I had a verse and a chorus. This beer came here to party. These boots came here to stomp. And someone, I walked into a hair salon in Nashville, and this lady said, you look like ZZ Top. And I'm like, well, I've had a dollar for every time I heard that. And she goes, I know somebody that knows Billy Gibbons. And I was like, I had a dollar for every time I heard someone that said that. So she got a hold of just the first course, and somehow got it to him. We got in Tom Vickers, and Billy just shows up in Nashville. We record the song. He lets me film it, and I'm just like, "Holy crap, that's Billy Gibbons, man! This is insane!" And I'm, you know, I'm like, "If I never see him again, that's that's fine. I just got to spend a day with my hero." And uh, he went to some dinner, and some guy walked up and was like, "Yeah, I'm looking for a song for the Boston Red Sox. They're growing their beards out." And Billy and I don't know much about sports, and he's like, "Well, man, check this CD out." Gave it to him, and then, like two weeks later, we're on the front page of USA Today. Just crazy, weird how that happened. So, well, and at that point, that thing st- that spiraled for you guys. So you ended up, didn't you, uh, end up opening for a while for ZZ Top on tour? Yeah, I've done, I think, 30-some concerts as direct support for ZZ Top. We did the North American Hellraisers tour. I remember the first thing Billy put me on was the Ryman Auditorium, and that was when he sent me that text. I'm like, oh, my God, I get to play the original Grand Old Opry House with ZZ Top tonight, sold out. <clears throat> that was one of those tearjerker moments where I'm yeah. like, holy cow. You know, I grew up listening to those guys in that little CD player in a trailer house in Elk Park, and now I'm on the front page of USA Today and playing the Ryman, and it was it was unbelievable. And, uh, this weekend, another crazy moment. They're honoring uh, Billy Gibbons at the Grand Old Opry, and they've got Eric Church and Dwight Yoakam and Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Travis Tritt, and, man, the list is insane. <clears throat> and they asked me, Billy called, and said, I want you on it. And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, I want you to play this beer came here to party, and then I want you to walk out with me and leave LaGrange. And then Brad Paisley and everyone will come out with us. Wow. And I was like, okay. So last night I go to bed at 930. I'm trying to be a good boy whenever I have big weeks like this. I'm like, ain't no boozing. Ain't no messing <laughs> around. We're running every day. We're training, vocal training. My wife wakes up to pee at like 2. And I'm like, hey, by the way, I'm wide awake. She's like, why? And I'm like, because I'm on the Grand old Opry stage in my head right now with Travis Tritt. <laughs> He's like, you need a melatonin, you psycho. <laughs> if you know, it's funny. You're like me because you know I've I've had no, nothing near like your level of fame, but like there's these things that happen, and you look, and I, I go, I, I just say tell everybody, oh, I'm just that dork from Parker, and they're like, no, 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 and I'm like, no, I'm just that fucking dork from Parker, you know. And I feel like you're still that kid from Montana. And you're like, like it just like I have this disconnect. Like I'll be on stage somewhere in front of people or doing something with certain people that I've idolized, and I'm like, 
Like, there's a disconnect. I'm like, I'm here, but I'm not really here. Like, th- I, I, how the hell did I get where I'm at? Because I can't still put it together, you know? Yeah, there's that thing. And you talk to some people, managers, people in the business, you need to own it. I belong here. But I don't know. That's not my personality. I think when you get to that point is when egos take over. And I think you always need to have that, oh, my God, how did I get here? And remember that trailer house. or Remember that little town you grew up in. You know, a type deal. And for me, it's definitely that. I'm just like kind of pinch myself like, <clears throat> holy shit, how, how did this happen? You know, and why am I on that list and not the next guy that's you know, more talented than me, has more fans than me, whatever. And it's like, well, there's a reason I'm there. So you got to have a little bit of that, but also a little bit of appreciation for the moment. And wow, this, you know, so I was talking to Danielle, my wife, and I'm like, this might be one of the bigger shows I've played, you know, other than, you know, Letterman's up there. But if you look at the, you know, getting on stage with Brad Paisley and Eric Church at the Opry, I mean, that's going to be nuts. So, yeah, that's I, that's massive. I mean, that's you know, not to put pressure on you, but I'm just like, holy shit! I wish I was uh, there to watch this, man. Like, that's crazy. Uh, you know, talk about a star-studded cast. It's that's rad. Um, definitely looking forward to hearing how this. Yeah, one Ronnie goes. Millsaps on it too. I'm just like, wow! Every time I read through it, and they keep adding more. <laughs> <clears throat> and there's going to be surprise guests. There's going to be another guest I'm not supposed to speak of, but he may be the biggest name in country music. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a guy from Oklahoma. That's yeah. my last hint. There's just a rumor he'll be there, but hey, I'll take the roster as is. Whoever else wants to show up, if your name <laughs> rhymes. Awesome. Dar- if your name rhymes with Darth Mook, I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> oh hell! So um, I, I want to, dude. I got so many bullet points I want to hit on, but uh, I, how the hell did you get linked up with uh, I with Street Bike Tommy? I mean, he's who introduced us, and I love Tommy to death. He's a dear friend of mine. I know you're your buddies with uh, with TP. Uh, you know, you've done one of your songs there, "Do It Fast" over there, at Pastrana Land. But you're going back. I, I had to rewatch today because it had been a long time since I've seen it. But I I know the first thing I ever saw with Tommy and you was what. Was it Hillbilly Rich uh, a few years yeah. back where you guys did that video and Tommy was in his big black suit and got his ass kicked? Yep, yep. It was Rob, the guy that killed Bin Laden, uh, the Navy SEAL, and then Street Bike Tommy, my band, and then uh, a friend of mine who's a veteran down in Tampa that's uh, lucked out as a defense contractor and has massive super yachts and helicopter landing pads. He's like, sure, come over, shoot your video. <laughs> Tommy's like, Wow, what's this guy do for a living? I'm like, eh, you know, defense. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I met Tommy. Uh, Butte, Montana, my hometown, is where is Evil Knievel's hometown yeah. and the guy that killed Bin Laden's hometown. And I'd played Evil Knievel days for years. It was like my world tour, one of my stops on my world tour in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so one year I'm up there, and I knew the Nitro Circus crew was coming. Travis came, Tommy came, and Tommy had that huge beard. I had a big beard. I just went up to him, and we just started partying. We had this little after party at Headframe Spirits, a local uh, distillery. And he came up to the house um, and saw the property. And then I met Travis and realized, these guys are really cool. They're like the salt of the earth people, you know, Um, and crazy, obviously. And I have a little bit of that wild craziness in me as well. So, uh, we hit it off, and then I remember Tommy was like, man, I think you should uh, check out Traeger Grills. They're uh, they're doing cool stuff, so they got a grill sent to my house. So he's one of those friends. You know, some of those some people in this industry are like, oh, this is mine. Stay away from that. Other people are like, hey, this would be really good for you to come on board. I think you, you know, yeah. put a little gas on this. 
And so he's done that a lot for me where he's put me in, you know, some really cool situations. And Traeger's one of the, uh, I think, five or six years I've been with that company now, yeah. repping them and cooking on their grills and making content. And that was all street bike comedy, man, just hooking me up with those guys. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I'm going to meet in Pastrana, and we did the Hillbilly Rich video. And then Travis put that in the Action Figures Part 2 movie, I believe. He sings it at the end. And then when it came time to shoot American Thread, Travis flew up to Montana. He had one day off, and, of course, he shows up in Montana. Of course, it's zero degrees, and the highways are shut down for ice. And, of course, we just mobbed right through it in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm like, look at those semis crashed everywhere. <laughs> and we filmed this rad music video at my mom's house. And I'll never forget my mother being like, now, now, what was your name again, Travis who? And uh, can you write down what you do for fame? <laughs> I'm like, mom, that's not a normal question. <laughs> and Trav just put X Games, Travis Pastrana on a, on a piece of note paper, as funny as heck. <laughs> and uh, then we did do it fast. So they become, you know, family. And uh, I think we all have that wild sense where other musicians are like, leave me alone. I'm an artist. I'm like, no, no, set the stage on fire. I think that shit's rad. <laughs> You know, it's funny with Trav because uh, uh, he and I, 17, I think it was 2017, we did we had this program with Polaris called Star Car where these celebrities would come in and race with me. And uh, and me and Jolene Van Butte, it was kind of our program. And then Trav obviously came in and did one of the races, and it was Vegas Torino. And I don't know if you've ever been around Nevada, but, dude, there's there's some places there where it's just you want to talk about hillbilly. Like you don't want to be there after dark by yourself because you don't know what the hell is going to happen or where these people are coming from, right? And so we oh, and that highway between Reno and Vegas, oh, Ooh, that old alien uh, brothel down there. That's creepy. Yeah, exactly. And so there's this town called Gab's, like an old mining town. And this race ran through it. And it's 30 miles down a one way road to get to this town. There's only one way in and one way out. 30 miles down this thing. And our car broke down there. Anyways, people on the show, I'm not going to go into the full story about that night because it's funny, but it, it takes a while. But the owner of this bar it was a double wide trailer they turned into a bar in this town. And the owner's in there, and here's me and Trav at like one in the morning just drinking them out of whiskey. And the, the owner goes, You know, I'm supposed to, I'm told by these kids outside that you're kind of famous, but you don't act famous and you don't look famous, but. Who are you and what do you do? And Travis just laughed his ass off. <laughs> I can't remember. He had a liner, like you said, X Games. But it was one of those where this guy's like, yeah, I'm supposed to like treat you nice or something, but you're not acting like a celebrity, you know? Just one of those where Travis a good guy, you know, and he just takes it all in stride, you know? But it's it's funny as hell. Yeah, well, he came to Montana. He was like 45 minutes late for his connecting flight. Oh. And he called me when he landed, running through the airport. He's like, there's no way. He's like, I'm 45 minutes after this flight was supposed to leave the gate to Bozeman, Montana. And then he calls me from the plane. He's like, dude, they held the plane. Why would they do that? I'm like, I'm sure that it came on the intercom and someone that flies a plane probably knows what you do for a living and probably knows who you are and probably thought that was cool. <laughs> they damn sure ain't gonna hold a plane for me. I have never had that happen. No so. kidding. <laughs> That's some bitch kicked off plane. Yeah, I was gonna say they know I'm coming. <laughs> they leave early. <laughs> Shut down the building service. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so I want to. Yeah. So going through this list of all these people Tim Montana's met. So this whole thing with Street Bike Tommy and Hillbilly Rich. Isn't this the time where? I know you and Charlie Sheen have become kind of buddies. Wasn't there a point when all this is going on, Charlie Sheen sees this Hillbilly Rich video and then all of a sudden reaches out to you because he thought it was the raddest video he'd ever seen or something? Yeah, absolutely. He uh, Rob O'Neill sent it to him. Rob has been one of those guys like Tommy that 
I started sending O'Neill music to Afghanistan when I was probably 21, a song called Freedom's Never Free, and wrote him a letter with it because his brother's the hometown DJ that played Beat America that ultimately got me on Letterman. So there's all these little dots of connectivity here. And uh, Rob sent the video to Charlie Sheen because Charlie played in the movie Navy Seals, and they became buddies. <clears throat> so all of a sudden, my T-shirt guy calls me and says, dude, are you looking at Twitter? And I was like, no. And I get on Twitter, and there's Charlie Sheen with a tweet about how awesome the Hillbilly Rich video is tagging me. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. Wow. And followers and the views just start blowing up. And I'm like, no way. So I reach out to Rob, and I'm like, did you have something to do with this? He's like, yeah, man, I sent him a video. It's a good video. And I was like, no way. And he goes, yeah, he wants you to, uh, to call him. So I get on the horn with him and uh, start chatting. I'm like, dude, I'm coming out to L.A. Me and Billy Gibbons have a session we're going to do here in a few weeks. Love to come to the house. So I get to L.A., pick up Gibbons, and him and I roll up to Sheen's house. And they knew each other from a scene in Two and a Half Men where Charlie's high and all of a sudden ZZ Top shows up and does the swing of the arm and points at the bathroom and disappears. It's really funny. <laughs> scene from uh from that show but uh yeah so we just chatted and as i'm talking to him i'm like man i got this really deep dark song about a guy that's like holed up in his house alone it's called mostly stone but it's not really a pop song it's more like a metaphor for just wanting to be away from people and humanity and just locked up in your house thinking about your life and i played it for him and i was like dude you should direct it and he's like well i'm not a director and then he like went down the rabbit hole, wrote a script, a treatment for this video, sent it to me, and it was so weird and bizarre, but yet cool. He caught on to a lot of things in my life that he didn't know about that he put in the treatment. And so we were able to raise enough money to shoot this video independently uh, called Mostly Stoned in, in right outside of Nashville, and he flew down here and stayed for probably a week, came over to the house for dinner. My nanny didn't believe my daughter the next day when she said Charlie Sheen was here for dinner last night. <laughs> And we shot this amazing video, and that thing ended up blowing up online and doing really good as well. So that's that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about this year. Obviously, pandemic hit and it threw all of us in a tailspin. I know, obviously, you and the boys from Black Rifle had your song, uh, the quarantine song that did uh, did really really well um, on on the net. But uh, you know, which brings us to uh, to kind of where we're at, man, and kind of battling back. Life's starting to get put back together. I know you and I spent some time at Dirtfish together, but uh, you just dropped a new album, uh, Long Shots, man. I got to tell you, I listened to this entire album when it dropped. Uh, you know, we were talking about it. We we're up there, Dirtfish, and uh, this is one of those that got got added into my like barbecue and like campfire playlist, dude. This is one of those weird albums where you can listen to the first song all the way to the last song, and all of them are good. And I don't say that about many albums. You know, I mean, there's lots of them. Ah, there's two or three good ones. This one, dude, I can listen to the whole thing all the way through, man. You guys nailed it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we wanted to have a musical journey a lot of people are just like oh I'll just put a bunch of singles on it and i'm like no i want like a hit them hard in the beginning and then come down a little bit with that river kids vibe and then come up with that you know kind of swagger of don't wait up on me kind of hip-hop thing and then go and do an acoustic thing we just really wanted it to be a journey where you could put it on on a road trip and listen to the whole thing and <clears throat> and then end with this really deep metaphorical written song called to an end um but we had fun i teamed up with michael knox and uh He's the guy that signed me to my first major label contract that I signed right at the beginning of quarantine, I believe. So a year, year and a half ago, something like that. So we went in and recorded that sucker. And uh, yeah, pretty excited. And this summer seems to be opening up pretty good. You know, we play a lot of markets, biker rallies and stuff. And, you know, 
Bikers don't wear helmets. They're probably not going to wear masks either. So I don't <laughs> think they were too affected by the pandemic like the rest of the world. Um, but yeah, so we're going to play some bike rallies and all that. And I think we're pretty much booked every weekend, June through October as of now. And it's filling up in between. So it'll be good to get back on the road, make up for lost time. But it was also good to be home and reconnect with my kids and be like, oh, that's what my children are like. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny how that works. It's the same way. I was, you know, the whole pandemic, you know, six months, you know, you really didn't travel much. And I, I came out of it. it I don't know. I, I was one of those where I kind of still did what I wanted to do. I just tried to follow in whatever these freaking guidelines they had were. Um, but you know, right. it's one of those where I, I, you know, I, I got the status with my airlines and everything else. And I flew maybe like three or four flights all last year, which is crazy. Cause I normally, you know, I've done three or four flights in a week before, you know, and it was like, like that, that was nuts to me, but now getting back on the road and, and stuff like that, it is weird. Cause I think we all kind of learned a little bit, like I'm never at home. And last year I was at home a ton and I actually, there was things I miss about it. I mean, I miss being on the road, but I don't know if you're the same, but it was like, yeah, I probably could be on the road a little less and at home a little more, and it wouldn't hurt my feelings a bit, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, I think so, too. And also, I had a list of projects I was going to do at home, and I don't think I accomplished any of them. <laughs> it was just kind of <laughs> like, huh. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to remodel that. This bathroom's got to get tore out. And I'm like, all I've been doing is sitting around drinking in the garage and playing guitar. <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah, then my wife and I joked, we're like, we're either going to get a divorce or have a baby. And then about week three, she came in. She's like, well, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened, you know, just populating the earth. But our whole freaking street did it, man. Full <laughs> sides of the house, just babies up and down the street. And I'm like, good Lord, I know what everyone did during quarantine. That's funny. All these kids. Well, you know, the good news is if you stay there, all the kids are going to grow up together, right? Be about the same age. So it, that actually could be interesting, yep. you know? They'll, they'll probably all be best friends for life, you know? COVID kids. Yeah, exactly. A bond over something, man. But uh, yeah, that's got to have you excited as an artist, though. I mean, like, you know, obviously my TV work dried up a little bit and, and some of the announce work, things like that. But you as a like, an, you know, as somebody that tours and on stage, like you had to miss that. You know, I know me as a fan, I miss going and watching live music. And, you know, and obviously some of it started to come back. But you as an artist, man, that that had to that's like a part of you that kind of got taken away there for a bit. Yeah, that was the bummer part is getting out to play these songs. You know, I mean, we've got a new record, and the best way to promote a new record is touring. And not being able to do that, and so it's like you don't want to lose your chops, you know, because it's like there's a kind of a musician rule of your band. Your band sounds its best after, like, week three on the road. You know, if you're out there playing those songs and different sound systems every night, you kind of lose your, you know. Your, so it's like you try to rehearse as much as possible, and then, you know, I, I, most of my band ended up getting COVID. I had COVID. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I didn't lose my sense of smell, nothing. I just all yeah. of a sudden had antibodies. So, but my wife got it pretty bad. It was just a weird time, man. Um, then I got a call somewhere during the middle of quarantine that they were filming a Western movie in Montana. This is kind of interesting. <clears throat> and uh, read some lines. A buddy of mine up there is a historian. Um, and I ended up landing a movie role. So I went up there and it was with, Sam Worthington and Heather Graham and Thomas Jane and Machine Gun Kelly and quite a big cast. Wow. Um, so I, I filmed up there in an old Western town and it was really cool. The costumes and I raised a little bit of hell, but then I made up for it. You know, the night I wrestled people in their cowboy costumes and got in trouble, 
The next night we had Traeger Grill show up and I cooked for everybody and made my peace with the Western town. <laughs> Sorry about the fighting. <laughs> but uh, they actually just put me on another one. They won't. They don't want to talk about the title yet, but I head out the end of the month. Um, and this is another pretty big movie. Richard Dreyfuss is in it. Um, and I've got a pretty significant role in this one. So it's been really weird. But I, I always dreamed. I love cowboy culture. I love the old West. And uh, so I'm like, yeah, I'll jump in this and just, you know, make a few movies. If I suck, at least I tried it. If it works out, then it worked out. Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, you talk about cowboy stuff like that. And I know you tried to be, you know, you went to L.A. to be, you know, a rock star, basically. And you ended up and I, I love like you've got kind of that rock country vibe going on. Like, I think all of this, like it fits in. It's like, who the hell is Tim Montana? Like, I don't know. You just kind of do your own thing. It's it's a mix of everything. And and it's funny, like, because the first time I listen to your music, I'm like, man, I see I hear a lot of like the only guy I could ever compare it to would be a little bit of Kid Rock and now come to find out you guys are friends and you've toured with him and you've done songs, you know, written for him and things like that. I'm like, ah, this all makes sense now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of straddling that line. I mean, I grew up, I love rock and roll music, ZZ Top, Nirvana, Foo Fighters. You know, that's what I find myself listening to most of the time and Tom Petty, but it's like, I've also loved Waylon and that, that side of country music. So trying to, combine those musical experiences and and bring it you know to a new place to where i can be like okay that's i want to sound like myself you know you turn on the radio today and so many songs are like exactly the same thing and the singers are so vanilla and they're like missing that character part you know they're like not characters anymore waylon was a character willie's a character kid rock's a character and we're kind of losing that i feel in modern music where you know i think everyone's kind of scared to be who they are so I'm like, well, I ain't scared. You can either love me or hate me, but let's raise some hell, boy. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You mentioned all this about characters, and I've said that, you know, in, in off-road. And, like, you know, some people – it's funny, depending on who you talk to, and uh, I'm saying this, but it's like I, I'm a, I've always been a pro wrestling fan, just have. And it's not necessarily right, the wrestling. Right. It's the fucking storytelling. And, you know, you got the black hats, you got the white hats. Like half the people in off-road racing tell you I'm a black hat. The other half tell you I'm a white hat, depending on how close they know me. But it's like I got my friends Natalie and Jonathan. And uh, Natalie, she's a uh, she's pro wrestler, went, she's done a bunch of Hollywood stuff. So, uh, I've introduced them to Street Bike Tommy. They're, they're all tight now. But um, she just re-signed with WWE. And uh, she's the sweetest woman you'll ever meet, right? And they've got her on TV, and people are demonizing her on social media. I think it's hilarious. You know, like, she's got 5 million followers, so these people are literally attacking her like she's – it's a witch hunt. And I'm like, dude, you don't realize she's – everybody's loving this because she's just taking the money to the bank. And I'm not saying, like – I'm not saying, you know, being a character, you know what I mean? You get, you're you a character just by trade. That's you. That's your personality. But I'm saying, like, we need more of that. We need more storytelling. We need people to show that because I feel like so many people want to be vanilla. They don't want to be right. They don't want to be left. They just they don't want to make waves they just want to be completely down the middle you know and i feel like we need characters now you know and and some people are going to like it some people aren't but you got to be comfortable in your own skin you know right right well i woke up this morning to mia chapman harassing me on social media (laughs) saying that she's faster than me I, I saw love that. giving her help. I laughed too. I was like, I, you know, <laughs> I saw that. And I was like, dang, girl's going for the jugular this morning. <laughs> I know. Her dad was like, you're really bringing my kid out of her shell. I'm like, it's funny when you just fuck with people 24-7. Like, that's one thing I've learned about this business too. And it goes back to 
six years ago, I got a call and they said, do you want to be on Eric Church's album cover for The Outsiders? And I was like, well, am I going to get to meet Eric and maybe do a little networking with him? And they're like, well, maybe, but he's pretty guarded. And I was like, okay. So I go to this thing. We charge through the old Tennessee State Prison with our fists in the air and Eric's in front. I got a second with him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm really good friends with Billy from CZ Top. And I could tell he was like, cool, I don't care. And I was like, okay, that failed. And I went out, hey, man, I love it. I do kids rock. Anyway, look, big, big fan. I don't care. That failed. So finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to switch to my other persona that I know. I went up and I said, hey, man, when am I getting fucking paid for this? Are you writing the check or is somebody else? And he paused and just stared at me, and a smile went on his face. And all of a sudden, he grabbed me and started walking and talking with me. And I'm like, <laughs> right there, man, busting people's balls. People at that level sometimes aren't used to that. And when you break the ice like that, they get you. Or they'll punch you in the face. It just depends on who it is. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny, too. And you go back to the whole TP thing and stuff like that. And this is the first time I met him. I went up, just busted his balls, and immediately he was like, ah, this guy, like, it was just one of those, like, certain people you've just got to – they want to be treated normal when you reach a certain status. You know what I mean? And I don't want to say status or anything, but I I feel like – I don't know. I just look at everybody on a human level, you know, and it's – even the guys that I idolize, like, I just – you know, I don't know. You got to approach it on a human level, and um, it's just, yeah, people don't want to be put on Mount Rushmore, you know. Right, right. They used to have their passive kiss all the time. Go up and give them a little jab, you know. Hey, man, pretty good job, but I could do better. <laughs> like that makes people laugh. Yeah. So. so- I do want to ask you, going back to the whole uh, Mia Chapman dirtfish thing, uh, you know, that aside, dude, where, what what have you ever done driving-wise? Because, obviously, I know you got your general and you use yard sale, that thing, all the time. But I was watching you in rally cars, and you're pretty damn good for never actually really racing and stuff. I mean, you is it just your time on quads and snowmobiles in Montana, or have you ever had any actual training? Like, what's what's the scoop here, dude? Because you got a little bit of talent. Yeah, I would. Uh, thank you. My my ego's exploded. I'm gonna have a hard time fitting my head out the door. Um, <laughs> it's I honestly, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, and there were dirt roads, and I had a lot of things with engines from my 1971 Chevy pickup to my old snowmobiles. I had a little Suzuki 250 four wheeler that I would just full send. And if my mom saw how I'd run those trails, I'd just run them wide open. And there were times to go off the road, almost hit trees, but somehow I never really got injured. We'd even go to the top of mountains where we could barely get horses on my little Honda 70 with my nephew on the back, and he'll tell you stories like, oh, my God, I can't believe you lived, and why would you <laughs> want to climb that mountain on a Honda CT70? Because like, it was rad, so it was just running trails. And I remember I built a ramp in the front yard in front of our trailer one day, and I was, like, wrapping out third gear in this Suzuki coming at it. And it was probably five feet tall and there was no landing ramp. I just knew I wanted to get air. And I was just like, Oh, whatever. I'll just land it in the grass field. <laughs> It'll be fine. And I hit it like in third gear, wrapping out and just hit it. And I just remember this really odd silence in the air of like everything was in slow motion. And I was kind of like, Oh shit. That was too much. I don't think I was wearing a helmet. I was just flying. And I remember looking over and seeing my stepdad, like mouth the words, fuck you. It's up flying through the trailer. <laughs> And landed it nose down and just did the hop, but stayed on the quad. And by the time I flipped around and got back to the ramp, he already had an axe down there and asked for the keys and I had to park it for a month. And I was like, oh, damn it. But same, that's how I drive my truck. And then TP keeps trying to get me to come race some shit with him. He said something about a NASCAR race. And I was like, why would you want me? 
to do a NASCAR race with you. I play music for a living. I have no experience. He's like, dude, you drove me to Waffle House one morning in your 71 Chevy pickup. K10, four-wheel drive. We call it Rust and Red. It's rusted to hell. Vice grips holding the throttle cable. <laughs> I mean, that type of deal. He's like, you drove me to Waffle House. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's got it. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you went sideways into a parking spot. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, that's just how you drive to Waffle House in an old Chevy. He's like, no, 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 you, you got it, bud. We're going to race. I was like, okay. <laughs> NASCAR, huh? Damn, that's that's going from zero to hero in a hurry, dude. Uh... Yeah, I don't know about this. He gives me anxiety, and my wife's like, hey, just – you let him know you are not qualified for any of that. Just because you're a drive like a redneck dumbass doesn't mean you're qualified to race. We'll get you out to the desert and we'll get we'll put you in a razor and let you go race razors or something to start. We'll, we'll ease your way into this, buddy. Yeah, I would actually love to get on a real Polaris race because I run those. Uh, my buddies have a 2,000 acre farm. I think I sent you a video yeah. jumping over a 2002 Buick. Um, but they have trails up there, and those boys ride hard. And I'll get up there, and I'm like, and you reach this certain speed to where your brake kind of steers you. And I learned a lot at, at uh, uh, Dirtfish, for sure, because I was just kind of making it up as I went with that brake kind of moving the ass end around through the trees. But yeah. we'll be doing 60, 70 miles an hour just threading the needle. And those, those redneck guys up there are like, oh, my God. And I took the dad for a drive, and he's like, you ever drive like that again on me in the car, I'll kill you. <laughs> the and I was like, come on, it's fun. But I love I love running trails like that. It's cool as hell. So Yeah, we we'll we'll make this happen. We between our two connections of Polaris, we're gonna get you in something out here in the desert or something. You you'll have some fun with that. It's we'll we'll do a tag team because Tommy's been wanting to come out too, so we'll we'll do a tag team, one of these long races, let you and Tommy split some driving or something. Yeah, him and I aren't competitive with each other at all, so that'll I'm sure there'll be no cussing, no threats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put us against each other. Yeah, oh, that'll be even better. It's <laughs> oh, man. But uh, Well, you were there. Like I said, sometimes talking shit and taking jabs is what wins people over. However, when you're making a wager with Street Bike Tommy over who's the fastest and you're messing with him, I'm like, oh, he wants to actually fight right now. <laughs> Maybe we need to reel it in a little bit, boys. Yeah, that's a, that's one thing I learned. You know, you get around Tommy and Trav, and any, I mean, there's always a bet. There's something. You, it doesn't matter what the hell you're doing. There's got to be something on the line. There's got to be a bet. There's got to be a competition. You can't just go and have fun. Like with them, no. There, there's always a side a side to it. You know. Yep. Yep. Every time. Yeah. Someone's either skipping doing push-ups or eating a pube sandwich. You never know. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so uh obviously you got a big week this week tim um i appreciate you taking the time love the new album brother um i can't wait to uh to get out and have some fun with you i'm gonna make it out to one of your concerts this year and i'm gonna drag your ass out here to the desert for some utv fun i think yes put up a stage we'll race and then play a hell of a concert for everybody Ah, that, there might actually be some legs to that idea, so let's let, let's figure all this out. I know we're working on some stuff, man, but uh, always fun, brother. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate your time. Whoa! Tim Montana. Tim freaking Montana. You want to talk about an epic guest and an awesome guy. Thanks, Tim, for coming on the show. Can't wait to catch up with you soon, my man. 
But, uh, you know, before we leave you guys, if you're new to the show, once again, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit the subscribe button. Please leave a rating or review if you liked us. I won't tell you how to rate us. If you love us, five stars. If you hate us, one. But uh, just leave something there for us. And, uh, yeah, I'm at Jim Beaver 15 on social media if you want to give me a follow. And don't forget, if you own or rent your home, you know what? You need to bundle your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you ought to have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. And you know what? Meguiar's now has a hybrid ceramic solution for everyone. For incredible water-beating action and protection and durability beyond traditional waxes, it's ceramic made easy. It's Meguiar's. And thank you guys for continuing to support the show. We'll be back next week with another epic guest right here on Project Action on Podcast One. Welcome to the yeah! <laughs> you knew this was coming. Guess who? We start this thing off. Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. We'll give you the full MIP experience. I'm talking everything from football to fashion. I will be chopping it up with playmakers, headline makers, and I am throwing haymakers. I'm the MVP of the MIP. Don't miss it. Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin Podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify.